This, this, this is God Stories Radio Podcast. God Stories Radio Podcast. With Fritz, Mike, and Tina. Welcome to this edition of God Stories Radio. This is session 275. I'm Fritz. I'm Mike. And I'm Tina. What's going on? It's Thursday, it's Thursday night. Thursday night. Right here. We live, made it to live another live one. Yeah, there we did, yeah. Made it through another week. Yeah, we did. Oh, What's boy. going on, everybody out there in Mixler world? Thanks for joining us. <laughs> got a lot of people on Mixler? Yeah, we've got a great crowd. Tracy Fagan, how you doing? Hey, Tracy. Jessica Hello, Calhoun. Tracy. Thanks for letting us know our mics were live. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. I, I got to work that out. You know, you know you're know, you VIP when you get to uh, witness all the, the going on behind the scenes kind of thing, you know? Well, it just goes to show you, we're just people, you know? There we go. I don't have all the answers. <laughs> but we know who does. Uh, yes, yeah. we do. But we got six other people that are on tonight. And uh, if you follow us on Mixer, I can see who you are. Give you a big shout out. And uh, that would be great. You have dialed into a good one tonight, I promise you. Absolutely. I'm really excited about tonight's oh, guest. Oh, man, you and me both. I know you're super excited. <laughs> That's right. It's, right? <laughs> it's been a little time coming, I think. Right? It, it has. You know, that everything is um, appointed by the Lord. Absolutely. He's I got think it he likes to out. build that anticipation. Oh, you I know. know. Uh-huh. I know. This is huge. <laughs> all right. This is big. It is. It is. But, you know, again... It's God's will on what time he the time he came in here. So there's got to be a reason for it. Amen. This is like heaven el presidente, the big toe. <laughs> the big toe. Uh, He's the, the, big, the big toe, so to speak. <laughs> oh, only my husband could come up with such an analogy. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, geez, you got to love me and you can't shoot me. So. <laughs> Hey, the first time I interviewed it uh, with Pastor Doug, I said, you know, the the Bible says he uses the foolish to confound the wise. So here I am. <laughs> uh, Say no more. You found your role and you're embracing it. Oh, huh? heck yeah, I did. Now, what's going on over there, Mikey? Um, well, we had, uh, you know, again, we're here on Thursday. Um, I was able to have a chance to make it. To they had a uh, marriage thing going on at uh, Real Life on Monday night, and I was able to make it to uh, serve on the security team. Well, that's nice because I was going to say you need a marriage. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I need, need a, a marriage intervention. I need you know, I need another partner first. Um, but you know, when the pastor is out, when he comes out and he's out in the in the crowd in the lobby and everything else, it, there's a couple of us on him and everything else, and you can't leave until he leaves. So we're there and. Uh, Randy and I were the last two. And, uh, when he finished with everybody who was talking, we actually, we spent 20 minutes with him talking with us oh, on nice. stuff that was kind of blew my mind. But wow. Yeah. How about that? I really? love it when people are generous with their time like that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's such a gift and a blessing. Well, he came up and he says, you guys have been here for a long time. And I just thought mm-hmm. I'd come over and talk with you and let you know on some of the things that's been going on and so on and so forth. So it was uh, pretty nice. I'm actually, uh, Still floored by some of the stuff he said, but wow, right, yeah, very cool, excellent. How about you, babe? What's going on? Um, it's been a good week, just a super busy week. I was, as everybody knows, on vacation um, a while ago. I guess it's been two. Has it been really two weeks? Yes, it has. Good grief! Hence the fact that you couldn't remember the number of the right of the podcast. show. <laughs> well, like I'm the pod calling the kettle black. I can't remember. Two seconds before I got to say it. Yeah, no, but it's just like everything's been such a whirlwind since coming back from vacation because you're just in catch up mode. You're mm-hmm. just, you know, as opposed to mustard mode. But uh, <laughs> you beat me. You beat me to it. You beat me to it. Oh my goodness! Are catch we going to go on like this all night? Catch up. 
<laughs> I knew he was going to say something. So I just, that's why I threw it in there. But no, seriously, like just trying to um, get back to, I don't know, like a level playing field with everything because obviously you feel behind before you go on vacation, you come back and it's even worse. And it's just like, you're just trying to plow through and dig through everything um, to try to get back to that happy spot. And sometimes you feel like you never find it. Mm -hmm. And you are next thing you know, you're going on the next vacation and you're like, really? oh my gosh, I what's wish. it going to be like when I get back from this? So last vacation so, I was on was last November and that was nine years before that. Oh, well, Mikey, wow. what can I say? You're the uh -huh. what we call the exception to the rule. <laughs> oh, I wish I could take a vacation every <laughs> once in a while. Not nine years apart, but <laughs> well, only you, my friend, can make that happen. I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Tracy says, but a boom. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Hey, before we get into it, I want to thank our uh, sponsor, the Simple Scone. I yes. want to thank uh, Carrie and uh, Mauricio and the staff down there at Simple Scone. They sent over some scones tonight. Pastor Chris delivered them personally, personally and delivered. they are out of sight. Uh -huh. the Unbelievable. The, the lemon ones are awesome. Simplescone.com. Give them a visit. I know Tracy ordered. Uh, she lives out in what? Denver. Denver. For, uh, ordered for a friend and got them delivered and fantastic. But it was amazing was she didn't get one. Oh, yeah. That's the ultimate sacrifice in my we opinion. We need to send Tracy some scones. Yeah, maybe we'll do that. Yeah. So Tracy, let us know your favorite flavor or something. Yeah. We'll, get, we'll ask them to make some for you. Yeah. All right. We got any other like um, countries, likes, <laughs> dislikes? Apparently we do. Oh, <laughs> that would be on that uh, tattered uh, piece of tablet. Tablet. Hey, this yeah. is special. Mike and I have a system here and it works. That's all I can tell you. Yeah. Let's do uh... Okay. Mikey's system, it works. Um, so we want to say thank you to Anthony Ray for liking us on Facebook. So thank you, Anthony. Anthony thank you. Thank you, and Anthony. Welcome to the GSR yes, family. Welcome. Anybody else out there, if you have not yet liked us on Facebook, please do so. And you can become part of the GSR family. Absolutely. And, you know, don't be afraid to reach out and, and talk to us and let us know if you're interested in giving your testimony. That's what we're all about. Amen. And we'll take it any way we can get it. And Absolutely. we'll even take it. We've had people write in. We've had people write in stints of their day, like a couple hour stints of their day. And we've read those. Mm -hmm. you know, if you don't want to particularly come in the studio, you can do that. It's GodStoriesRadio at gmail.com. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, it's GodStoriesRadioTina at gmail.com. Absolutely. That's right. I, I can't, I'll never forget that stint, that one that sent in that. Two hours. Oh, it was a stupid day. human. Yeah, that was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Austin, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have him on the show before I. He's, uh, he's in more challenge than pastor. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say that's oh. kind of an insult. <laughs> no, 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 no insult. I promise you, Not no here. insult. <laughs> Pastor's like, a busy man. I get it. I get it. I, I see what he deals with on a daily basis, and. <laughs> Wow. It's a wonder he sleeps. So tell us who we have in the studio today. Yeah, might as today. well. Wow. God, what do I say? Uh, tonight, we have the long-awaited <laughs> arrival of... Do you prefer Reverend? Is it Reverend Doug Cox or Pastor Doug yeah. Cox or... Pastor. Fisherman Doug Cox. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Fisherman, Fisherman, Fisherman Doug Cox. Yeah, Fishers of men. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I, I love this guy. I, I, I don't know what to say. I went to the work for the church two years ago, and I just fell in love with the church. I fell in love with this man, uh, the vision and uh, everything he's all about, everything that he stands for. And I just couldn't wait. And we have these little sidebar conversations and we tell stories and we learn about each other. And I have uh, so been blessed by that, Pastor Doug. I really, really appreciate that. And I could make a whole show talking about him. So I'm going to be quiet and I'm going to turn it over and just please welcome to the show, Pastor Doug Cox. Yay. Yay. Welcome. welcome. Thank, thank you all for having me here. And I guess, thank you for the opportunity to, for me to just share uh, the story of what God's doing in my life. And I guess I, I'm really humbled when you say 275 
uh, shows or episodes that mm-hmm. you've had. And that's a lot of people and a lot of opportunities. And to be able to share and be here, it's very humbling. I, and I, I, I do not take that lightly. So I say thank you for the, being able to be here. It is our, you know, definitely our pleasure, Pastor. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And, and I guess, you know, for me, the, before I start my story, the, of how, if for everybody listening to understand how the uniqueness of God and how he uh, speaks to us so uniquely in mm-hmm. our individual worlds. He's a big God. There's a lot of people on the planet, mm-hmm. but yet he speaks specifically and directly to each and all of us. And if I can encourage those who want to hear clearly or those who think they're hearing from God or those who want to wonder if he really does speak to people, it's true. He does, and he does it in his special way as each of us are unique and special in who we are. Amen. And I just, it, it just, it's who he is. Amen. And so, it, I mean, some may be similar to what I share, but some may be completely different. And the four of us here, I'm sure, are different stories, but yet similarities. You bet. Because he's one big guy. Amen. You know? So anyway, um, I guess I'll just start as I was, when I was born in Michigan and a small town in uh, Northwest Michigan. We call it the, what they call that, the Gold Coast of Michigan up there. And it's golden in May through September, and then it's frozen coast. So, <laughs> but, but, uh-huh. but, but I was, um, I was born there, and I'm a middle child, of which there are not as many middle children anymore. There's just families having two children, but I'm, you know, in the middle of two. I've got an older brother, Bill, who's two years older. And a younger brother, Gordy, who's five years younger. So anyway, um, growing up, it's a tiny little town of about 800 people. And a lot of the our close friends were World War II veterans. They were people who we knew first name basis. Mm-hmm. And you talked to them and you knew everybody. You knew everybody's dog. You just knew how the whole town was, you, you, you know, it, it's just, you just knew everybody. And so in the context of that, even for school growing up, if the teacher fussed at you, the teacher also called your mother uh, and she got, you got fussed at at home. Mm-hmm. And so you got punished at school, you got punished at home. And uh, we had much respect. Right. That was, that's the way it used to be. Correct. For teachers and all. And it was, I guess, honestly, it was like a little Mayberry. And I feel very blessed to be, and my brothers and I talk all the time of the unique characters and personalities and people and friends and all that we had. And and uh, it was it was really cool. Uh, we just very very um, uh, enjoyed it very much. And in fact, our little block we had one little block, and on there were three of us, and then there were three McKees, and there were two McGuire's, and so that's eight boys. And then we had two more boys that would show up on a weekend. There were ten boys within a block, and. I only have two boys, and I can only imagine what 10 boys are uh-huh. like together. <laughs> and we were creative. I'll leave it at that. Uh-huh. <laughs> Golly. But anyway, but in the context of all of that, um, I guess growing up as a kid, I um, I was always searching. I was one who wanted to know what, and it was, a, I don't know, maybe a, a philosophical thing. What, what What is there to life? What's real? What's not real? What is, um, there's got to be more than right here. And I always wondered about that. And I always rock and roll was a big, that's where I lost a lot of my hearing, but rock and roll music was what we listened to, what we followed, what we, all the lyrics and everything. And there was a mm-hmm. Jefferson Airplane did, uh, oh, yeah. uh, when, the, when the truth is found the truth to be lies and yep. all the joy within you dies. It was like, that was me. Where's truth? What is truth? And I used to always look for that, long for that. And so, um, in the context of that, um, oh, I, I'll never forget. I sent on the back of a record album, I sent in for um, this universal message of truth. And I mailed in for this. This is when you did the whole snail mail thing. And sure enough, it comes in the mail and my mom found it. And it had this uh, calligraphy on it of the universal message of life. And 
she blew a gasket. I mean, she <laughs> saw that and she said, we believe in God and we follow his word. And she like ripped it up and I go, well, no, uh-huh. note to self. It's not, <laughs> that's not the universal message. You know? <laughs> and so, uh-huh. But, um, but anyway, but, and we had to go to church. Mom raised us. Dad was Catholic. Mom was Methodist and dad never went to church, but mom did. And she'd take us and we had to go to church. I, I mean, you just had to be there. That was mm-hmm. it. There was no option. It was Sunday. You had to go to church. Really difficult in a small little resort town when your friends would ride their bikes to the beach and you had to go to church. Mm-hmm. Prime beach time. And mm-hmm. so, but we'd go and, and we didn't like it. It was like my brothers, we turned it into entertainment where mom forced us to be there, but we could see who could make the other one laugh. In other words, <laughs> no, really, it was. It was like we would make fun of the pastors. We'd sit there and we'd watch them and we'd like, look at his tie. Look at that tie. Well, he stole something. <laughs> and, and just just jabbing each other in his shoes. Where does she stepped in something? See that? Look at, look at, look at. You know, so that was church. And so anyway, um, but, it, but let's see. So then at 12 years old, our parents, uh, mom and dad, separated. They divorced. And in a little town, you we were pretty much the family that didn't have mom and dad at home. And they were, mm-hmm. um, they called it a broken home. But dad was an alcoholic. And he wasn't mean. He just wasn't there. And so there was a lot of arguing and a lot of, you know, that going on. And so, honestly, after the divorce, there was more peace than before. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. we sat there and and I know my mom, it really tore her up because we were very poor and he didn't pay child support and all of that. But anyway, so mom just sort of kept us, you know, together. She provided, had a grandma and grandpa that were there. And so even through all this time that it was like, we knew somehow that, you know, she reassured us things were, we'll get through this, mm-hmm. you know, and it's because she's an amazing woman. And, um, Also, at 15, uh, three years later, our dad was living in a mobile home across town, and he had a heart attack, and he died. And that was um, Easter Sunday. And I'll never forget. We went to church, and I think we came home after church. I was 15. And then we rode our bikes over, and he, he had died the night before. And so, and that was, we were very angry at God, like... Why, why, why would you take him? And I remember standing there just like, God, what are you doing? Who are you? Why would you do this? And it's like, you know, just this, it couldn't be, it was wrong. You know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I felt all of that. And so, um, it, it was probably in that time. I don't have like specific dates, but it was right in that 15 year season of really frustration and anger and all of that that we got this new preacher named Clyde. Clyde was a pastor from Indiana. So he shows up in Michigan with this accent. And so the accent was like, oh my gosh, this guy's, and he was fun to listen to. He was younger. So we would listen to him. And here we are, the clueless kids listening to Clyde. And then we'd go home and argue about the sermon. And we'd get into this, <laughs> we, we would, we'd sit there and go, wait a minute, what did he say about Abraham? He said this. No, my brother, no, he did not. He said this. We get into this big argument and they say, call him up. And so we get him on the phone and we say, Clyde, calling the pastor at home Sunday afternoon. <laughs> hey, where, what, what happened to Abraham? What was going on? And then he'd like tell us. And then we go, I was right. It was right. It was right. And so he loved that, the pastor, Clyde. I mean, it just, anyway. So it was in that, that season. And, um, we, we were there in church and I, I was sitting there one day and as honestly, as, as clear as we're sitting here talking to each other, I was looking at Clyde and I heard that is what you're going to do for me right there. Wow. I mean, it was as clear as anything. And I, I remember as a kid, I looked up, I looked around, I thought, where did that come from? Mm-hmm. What the heck was that? And I know in our Wesleyan tradition, we talk about prevenient grace is when God's at work and we're not aware of him being at work. Mm-hmm. That was it. And I had no clue. And mm-hmm. I sat there and I thought, why would I do that? Uh-huh. 
I don't, we don't even like these guys, you know, <laughs> nobody likes these guys. What do you do something like that? I want to make money. I want to, I don't want to be poor. I want to be a lawyer. That's what I want to do. I'm going to go for it, you know? So the seed was planted at 15. Right. So moving the story ahead, I started, you know, we worked really hard, very strong work ethic. We saved our money. We were able to pay for college, which was really cool. My older brother started and he went to Knox College in Galesburg, Illinois. And he was there for, he was there for four years. His last two years were my first two. And so I thought, cause he's in college there. I might as well ride with him to Illinois. Cause I didn't know anything about college, what I wanted to do. I just wanted to get a pre-law, you know, a pre-law um, history economics or something like that. So, mm-hmm. so anyway, so I started at Knox and I, I remember I signed up and um, the only way I could get in, cause we were a class D high school unaccredited mm-hmm. back in Michigan. So here I am going to this really nice four-year undergraduate college. And they said, we're going to let you in, but it's on academic probation. Right. And I go, what's that? Well, if you don't get a C, you get booted out. And I go, okay, <laughs> I get that. <laughs> so academic <sure> probation. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, so I started and, you know, my first two years at Knox, but then I remember I remember a guy, and I believe his name was Mike, and he had blonde hair, and we'd always go study at night because it was very intense. You you studied a lot. Mm-hmm. They partied like crazy on the weekends, but they studied eight to eight hours a day in the library beyond classes. I mean, this was intense. So this guy, I ran into him in a building one night, and he started talking to me about God and start telling stories about God and that. And I it was almost like Spanish. I, I didn't get anything he was talking about. And so I sat there and I thought, hmm, okay. But it just went over my head. It just never registered anything he was talking about. So two years ends up, my brother graduates. I'm finishing my sophomore year there. And I started thinking about transferring back to Michigan. And um, there were several colleges back in Michigan, small private schools that I still could afford because I had money. Hope College, Holland, Michigan. <clears throat> I ended up going there. And um, or I, I remember I, I can take you to the bottom of this dormitory on the payphone talking to my mother saying, Mom, I'm going to transfer to Hope. I'm coming home. When Bill graduates, I'm coming back. And she goes, I'll never. And we've talked about this. I've talked with her. So, you know, that's a Christian school. And I looked, I said to her over the phone, I said, Mom. I can handle all the partiers here. I can handle a few Christians. Yeah. That's not going to be a big deal. <laughs> she reminds me of that quote all the time. <laughs> I'm transferring to hope. That's that'll, right. that'll preach right there. I, yeah. I wrote it down. <laughs> yes. So I did, I did. So I showed up at Hope and um, just met some really cool people there and um, always had an art teacher because I started in, I was an art minor because I had ceramics and metal sculpturing. That was my minor. And so, love those guys. That was my escape. And so, mm-hmm. he always wanted to invite me to a Bible study. And I thought, nah, 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 we're good. I don't need a Bible study and all that. And then um, I met this girl uh, from California who was there at Hope. And she was really sweet. And we really started dating and really, you know, started falling in love. We liked each other. It was really cool. And so, her friends said, you're, e- you're unequally yoked with him. And I said, what does that mean? <laughs> and to, she, well, they say you're not a believer. I'm a believer. What are you talking about? And I'd go on and on. <laughs> so we get into these arguments, but I did with her friends. But um, I'll never forget that the Bible study that they, the teacher and the other people invited me to, I ended up going. And I was there for, I don't remember how long. I think it was like two or three months. And then they had communion and they had a, a goblet and a, and a, um, it was a, uh, a loaf of bread and a goblet. And they said, we want, when you feel right, go in there and sit and take a piece of bread and tear it from the, the bread and dip it in a goblet and understand that if you were the only person on the planet, Jesus would have died for you and your sins, and he wants to give you new life. 
And I sat there and I thought, okay, I went in there and I'll, I just, the visual, as, as I say it, it's, it's touching, I can tell. And I would tear the bread and I dipped it in. And I said, who are you? I want to know. I don't know. And I ate the bread. And then afterwards, I went home. And that night, I said, okay, whoever you are, I want to know you. I want to understand forgiveness and new life. And I prayed and I said, please take over. I give you my life. And that night, I, I went to sleep, but I wrestled all night long with the thought of me back in church at 15 years old with the words saying, that's what you're going to do for me. Mm-hmm. And I woke up going, oh my gosh, I want to be a Christian. I don't want to be a pastor. <laughs> that's the last thing I want to do. So anyway, this, this girl was a huge encouragement for me. And the way God worked it out is I ended, um, I was graduating. She had another year to go. So I ended up um, thinking, maybe I'll put law school on hold and I'll try seminary. And right across the street at Hope College was what's called Western Theological Seminary. And that's where um, uh, Robert Schuler went, the senior. And okay. so it's a Reformed Church seminary. So I thought, well, everybody loved him. And so yeah. I walked in, I kid you not, <laughs> I walked in and it was Dean Heinemann, uh, these glass French doors. And I opened them up, I walked into his office and he says, well, Doug, we introduced each other. What, what brings you here? <laughs> and I looked at him and I said, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And then he kind of took himself back and I said, so I really feel like I got to take a class or something. I got to sort this thing out of where I'm going and what's going on. And maybe a class would help me because I'm not sure. There's something in me that's got to be settled. Mm -hmm. And so he goes, okay, well, let's see. And so I applied. He gave me a New Testament and an Old Testament class. I ate it up. I loved it. And I, I mean, it was fun. And I had Japanese and I had a guy from Russia and all these different classmates and roommates. It was so fun. And we, we just, um, I couldn't get enough. But then it was the, in the Reformed Church, it was much more academic to where all of the debating of the, what they call the Council of Trent and the Heidelberg Catechism and all these big debates that went on through the church history and all mm-hmm. this stuff. And I'm sitting there and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just going after this. I'm going, wait a minute. And the fire within me was starting to die down. And so I, I remember I went to two pastors and under, or two of the professors. And, and the first one was Dr. Pete. And um, when I sat there with Dr. Pete, I said, hey, I don't know if I'm going to keep doing this or not. I, I really feel like this is what I'm supposed to do, but I don't think I'm going to do this anymore. And Dr. Pete said, well, that's your choice. I just want to give you a scripture verse. And I said, oh, sure. It's, called, it's Luke 9.62. And I sat there and I thought, oh, well, thank you for that. He goes, yeah, that's really what I can say. So have a good day. And so I went home and I looked up Luke 9.62. And if you're not familiar with it, it's he who puts his hands to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> oh, boy. So, Whoa. I'm going, okay. I'm going, what the heck? (laughs) And so it was like, I was looking back Mm -hmm. and I go, wow, maybe I'll go talk to the other guy. And so (laughs) maybe I'll get a different answer. Yeah, that's right. So I went to talk to uh, Dr. Osterhaven uh, and I I just remember these names. Those really cool guys. Um, And he said, you know, I've been thinking, I've been hearing about this Asbury Seminary down in in Kentucky, but I, I just don't know. And, um, and he said, well, I'll be honest with you. We do more of the head. They do more of the heart. And he said, he goes, I can't, I can only say that off the record, but he goes, I just want you to know the heart will be emphasized there. So anyway, so I ended up transferring to, and Carol, the girl graduated, wanted to get married. I didn't. And I said, well, let's give it a year. I ended up going to Kentucky. She went back to California and 
I would say probably um, after a year of not of being away from her and not having any friends and all of the people there in the seminary, I, I they had uncles and brothers and cousins and pastors, and I was the only one in my family. And I remember I don't fit in. I don't have language like pastor language and I don't look like you guys and I don't mm. talk and sound and this isn't for me. So I sit down another dear friend, Ralph Lewis, who was a professor, and I said, you know, I'm not fitting in. I'm I'm not like these guys. He looked at me and said, when are you going to be yourself? When are you going to allow, mm. let God be, be the person God has created you to be, be unique in your own world? Wow. When are you going to do that? And I said, no, you, who he made you, Doug Cox, he wants you, not anybody else. And he doesn't want you trying to be like somebody else. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh my goodness, I will try that. So I missed the girl, but yet we're trying to figure out what we're going to do. And that summer, I thought, I'm going I'm to go out to California and just see if we can get this thing going again. And I called my friend Ralph, another Ralph. And I'll, this, I'll never forget this one. This is in front of a little IGA grocery store in Wilmore, Kentucky, in a phone booth when you had to stand there with a phone booth and put mm-hmm. money in. Oh, yeah. And then, and then it was raining. I mean, it sounds like a country song. I mean, I'm in the rain in the phone booth going, calling the old girlfriend in California. Down you know? at the so IGA. Like, <laughs> in front of the IGA. <laughs> it really does. It, it probably should be. But um, I called and said, Ralph, I think I'm just going to go see, go be with Carol. And I don't think I'm going to do this. And he said, give it one more semester and then decide. And I said, as a friend, I will keep, take you on your word and I'll do that. That fall, I met my brother-in-law now who that's like 40 years ago, who is a pastor. And he had his single sister-in-law at home, who was my wife, Sue, who I met that fall. And that just, I would not have met them had I left. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have my kids. I wouldn't have all of that. So in the context of all of that, as I ended up moving or staying there in Kentucky, staying at Asbury, fell in love with Sue. We got married in 84 and I graduated in 85. Now the journey me spiritually was I still didn't want to be a pastor. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a missionary. Go build cool stuff in South America or Africa or stuff. Go do cool things. I wanted to do that. That would have been fun, you know? Or, and then that didn't work. So I thought, well, maybe I'll be a chaplain. And I was too old for the military at the time. So maybe I'll be a hospital chaplain. So I'm running through all these things. I'm weaving <laughs> this way, I'm weaving this way. Trying to run. Oh, it was. Uh-huh. And the guy said, I need a friend said, I need somebody to help me preach next weekend. I'm a supply pastor as a student, and I need somebody to be able to um, fill in. Would you do it? And I said, I've never preached a sermon before. So Frenchburg, Kentucky, I stood there with these little old folks and I gave them a sermon. And I don't know what I said and what God said through me. I mean, it was like anyway. Anyway, it was it was quite the story. But we, but I kind of it messed with me a little bit. And I thought, hmm, maybe I could try this again. So I did a couple more sermons, but then um I started with a little band that was on. We would do things, it was called a lay witness mission. And this is where in the South, where you'd go, if you heard that term for, they would go to a weekend for a church, like a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and you would do a big revival type thing Mm -hmm. and you set it all up. And I was kind of their little roadie guy and I would help out and I would help with studies, Bible studies and things like that. And one of the cool things, and I'll never forget one night we were, after probably about two years of this. We ended up, um, gosh, I was with, um, it was in a, a, a Methodist church, but it was a very charismatic Methodist church, a very um, spirit-filled type of very church. And they ended up, the guy was Jeremy. And Jeremy, it was like midnight, and we'd finished wonderful nights, you know, getting ready. And um, he said, can I pray over you guys? And we're sitting there going, well, sure. And so I'd never been 
where a person would pray over you and prophesy mm-hmm. each by name and go down the line. Mm. And so what happened was um, he was praying and I was watching as he was coming down the line, very specifically praying over each person, personal things that he had no clue of, of mm-hmm. each of their lives. And when he got to me, again, he just, he laid hands on me and said, and again, there's those words It just said, Doug, your heart has been broken many times. I now am going to heal you and all the scars are going to be filled with gold for me and for my name. And I'm going to use you as my servant. And I sat there and I thought, wow. Okay. So God, where is this going now? You know, does this mean I'm going to have try to be a pastor? And I thought, and finally, again, I thought, well, maybe I'll try. And so we ended up finishing up with the, with the team. My wife, uh, I graduated and I got ordained. And it was in June. We moved back to Michigan. And I was late getting into the Methodist appointment system. So they only had three little country churches for me. There was a one that had 20 people, one that had Leroy, and then one that had about 40 people. That was Ashton. And then one that had about 60 people. And every Sunday, it was one after the other. So I thought, I'll do it. So my wife and I, you know, she goes, I've never been a pastor's wife. And I said, (laughs) I've never been a pastor. (laughs) What the heck? There you go. What what do we got to lose? I mean, let's try it. So sure enough, we literally, we tried it. We went there and I was there for six years. You know, we just love those dear people. And I never forget Luther. There's like one day we took in two new members and I go, guys, this is a 10% increase in membership uh-huh. today, right now. Uh-huh. And they all went, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, and the little churches grew and we, we loved them and had more pig roasts and oh, yeah. trout fishing, corn oh, roasts, man. all that stuff. Just, just literally loved it all. And through that, um, I just got to say, it was such a blessing. We had both of our children and um, in Michigan, and then we moved to, um, then I, then Sue's mom, uh, my wife's mom was, uh, Grandma Shorty, we called her. She had lupus really bad. Mm-hmm. And so Sue said, you know, I wished I could, um, I need to, we need to move home. I want to be with mom. And so I sat my brothers down and said, hey guys, I want to think about moving to Florida could, would you guys visit me if I, if we, they're like, yeah, they're single guys in Florida. Sure. We'll all come. And mom said, I'll come, you know? So (laughs) we, um, in those days you had to have a Bishop in Michigan had to let you go. Really? And the Florida Bishop had to accept you. Wow. And so, and then you have like a district superintendent under the Bishop. So they said, well, let's see if this is going to work. And so, um, because everybody wants to move to Florida. And I said, well, okay. And so let's see if I can do it. So I had to get permission from the DS. And he said, everybody wants to move to Florida, but we'll try. He had to contact the Michigan bishop. And that person said, everybody wants to go to Florida, but we'll try. And so the Florida guy says, maybe, uh, hmm, it's a possibility. You can apply. And so long story short, I applied. And within six weeks, they accepted me. And in fact, I'll never forget the phone call that was the bishop's assistant calling me. His name was uh, Mr. Uh, Bill Brackman. Calls up and he, he goes, is this Doug Gux? And I go, this is Southern. I'm up in Michigan. This is Southern guy. Is this Doug Gux? I said, yes, it is. He goes, are you still interested in coming to Florida? And I thought it was my brother-in-law. And I go, Joe, man, quit doing that, man. You're messing with me. And he goes, just leave me alone, Joe. And he's like, oh, this is Bill Brackman from the bishop's office. And I go, oh, I'm sorry, sir. <laughs> yes, please, I'll go. I'll, I'll, I'll come. And so, sure enough, I ended up transferring. And uh, it, just, it just, God just worked it out. All little details. Every yep. last one of Coinky those details. Dink. And I ended up going... Uh, transferring to Ocala, but honestly, six years, I knew nothing about leading a church or delegating. I just worked harder. 
And having grown up with a alcoholic father and a um, uh, workaholic grandfather, he just worked. I mean, there's nothing you couldn't do. Impo- his phrase was, the difficult you do right away, the impossible takes a little longer. <laughs> no matter what, you do everything. So you, you have a workaholic, alcoholic. I had to have a lot of counseling to help sort that out <laughs> because ministry is, it, it, there are no yeah. boundaries. There are, right. It's do everything and mm-hmm. it'll, it'll kill you. So after a lot of counseling, that was very, very helpful to get me, you know, and I transferred to Florida and I thought I could do it for about a year. And um, when I transferred, um, I needed, I needed more because I was just burned out. I was just completely burned out from the three country churches for six years, every Sunday, maybe two or three weekends off, but that was it. Mm. Rare. So, I mean, it was, it was. You know, my younger brother said, I, I must have needed remedial preaching. <laughs> three, three every Sunday. <laughs> he's listening. That was, I remember him saying that. I go, hey, he probably did, you know. But anyway, um, transferring to Florida, I was an assistant pastor in Ocala. And when I was there, um, I'll, I'll never forget, we were singing. It was that first year. Um, there's an old, old hymn. It's called uh, Victory in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's in the second verse, there's a phrase that says, and then I cried, dear Jesus, come and heal my broken spirit. And somehow Jesus brought to me the victory. And I just started weeping like a fool. I mean, I was just weeping there thinking, I need this. I need to just worship and get back to enjoying and having fun ministry with my God. And so I stayed there for three years with an amazing man that I was under, taught me all kinds of stuff, way cool. And after that, then we were appointed to Umatilla, which is North Lake County here. And we were there for five years. And that's when we found out our son had uh, muscular dystrophy. And I remember saying to him, to the district superintendent, we got to find a place to get him help. It was Melbourne, Orlando, or St. Pete for muscular dystrophy. And so in the context of all those places, um, I said, let's let's put it on the map. That was in September of probably, let me think, 99. It was 1999. It was in September. And I said, next June, when the Methodists move, I need to move. I'll go anywhere just so we can get help for my son. I'll go 50 people. I don't care. I'll give me a part-time church, whatever. So what we did is, let me think, that was at the end of September. That was on a Monday. On a Wednesday of that same week, the pastor here at First Methodist in Claremont mm-hmm. resigned. Wow. Wow. And he walked in and just said, I'm, I'm, I'm quitting. He was burned out. Mm-hmm. the district superintendent calls me and Walter, I knew him well. And he goes, he gets on the phone and I never forget again, those, you just sit there and you got the freeze frame in your head. Phone rings on the wall with a little cord. And my wife goes, uh, Walter. And this is at night. The district superintendent never calls at night and said, Oh yeah, Doug, he's sitting right here. And I go, Oh no, I don't want to talk to you, man. He's <laughs> like, I don't and he goes, do you, do you calling at night yeah, can't yeah, be like, good. Nothing right. You know, I go, what, what what's going on, man? I don't even want it. And he goes, No, no, I, I got something I want you to consider. Um, we have a church that's coming available, and I, I just want you to know about it. Tell you, you know, you and your wife can talk about it. And I go, Where is it? He goes, Well, it's in Claremont. And so this is in Umatilla, my wife goes, because she's a Florida native, like uh, third, fourth generation. She goes, Claremont, that's a little tiny town with a little citrus tower and a little, <laughs> there's nothing in Claremont. That's worse than Umatilla. Oh my goodness. And she's like, oh, getting teary. And I, go, oh, wow. I said, well, he goes, well, just go look at it and see what you think. So we got in the car the next day and I met my brother-in-law. We all kind of scoped it out. We saw all these houses. We saw all these places and the growth and everything and it just blew us away. Yeah, it's still back then. It was still orange groves. Um, 99. No, it had become houses. The 85, 89, eight to 90. That's when the transition really happened. So we had 
it would it was pretty much houses. There were still a bunch of oranges. Yes, there were still a bunch of oranges. But um, we ended up when we came down and looked at it. He said, "Okay," I said, I, "I'm I'm interested," and he said, "Okay, so can you start the first of October?" <laughs> and I go, "This is mid September." I go, "No, no," and he goes, "Well, okay, how about Thanksgiving?" I go, "How about January 1st? And he's like, "Well." Let me see. And so he had to find somebody to fill in before January 1st. And he allowed that to happen. So mm-hmm. my, wow. So we all showed up here in Claremont in January 1st of the new millennium of 2000. 2000 right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Remember the Y2K and all the, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. everything like was going to all blow up yep. and everything's bad. And so I thought, well, if I, if it's still here, I'll have a job. You know? so, <laughs> and so anyway, um, we we ended up moving, and as we moved, um, packed up everything, and I got started. And as I got started, I remember looking at, I was in Orlando with the hospital. It was like the first week, and I was coming back, and the sun was setting, beautiful, picturesque, coming over the hills, coming into town. And as I was, it was like, I remember sitting there going, wow, Lord, what what am I doing? What are we about? And I'll just never forget. Once again, you have been faithful with a little. I'm going to give you a lot. Mm-hmm. And I sat there and I just got all choked up again. And I thought, okay, Lord, whatever it is, I'll, we'll do it. You're with me. We'll do it. And so honestly, to be able to, this summer starts, uh, or no, actually in Ju- in um, January started our 20. 20- First year. First year, right. And so it's been it's been a blessing. Been joys, tears, but it's been a blessing. And I can honestly say that I know my God is with me. The same oh, God absolutely. that called me, the same God in all those unique ways that He's been speaking into my world and my life, all of that going on. The joy that I have today is the same joy, honestly, I started with. And I just thank him for that. Mm-hmm. He has renewed that and what he's doing now in unprecedented times. These are crazy times, but he is at work today more than ever. Mm-hmm. And I guess for just to encourage people to be open to how the uniqueness of how he speaks and when he speaks, sometimes it's clear, sometimes it's direct, mm-hmm. other times it's subtle, other times it's a nudge, other times it's a prompting. So I guess I just have to say, um, I have no idea where the future and the journey goes, but I know who's leading the charge. Absolutely. You know, so anyway, so that's pretty much running through you guys. Um, wow. It's so nice to hear your story. It really it was. is. It was. I yeah. was, I couldn't wait. Uh huh. It, it was. It's I, touching and it's endearing and it's just like you. Well, it's me. I mean, I, I I can't say what it isn't. It is what it is. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure there's many many people out there that got that those words or that nudge that you're going to be a pastor and tried to go the other way. So yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think that would be the key to answer where he's tugging. What kind of mission? What kind of ministry? What kind of where is he tugging your heart? Because the uniqueness of how he made us. And how he wired us is to live into those gifts mm-hmm. and to live into that in all the different, not, well, pastors one, but all these areas mm-hmm. do, doing this, what you all are doing here and helping people, encouraging, you know? I think Amen. another thing that I like about your story too, is that you just didn't have it all figured out for quite a long time. He still doesn't. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But, <laughs> really? but I mean, just oh, your direction with, with the Lord, but, but just your, the petition of your heart to him was so pure and honest, you know, just Lord, I want to know you. Who are you? I want to know you. Yeah. That's all it took, Yeah, you know, for him to open up to you. And I mean, I just find that amazing. And then it was a journey for you until your, I would assume mid twenties you know, before you really kind of landed on it. I think this is the direction I need to go. I was 21. It was that senior year of college Mm -hmm. when I surrendered. Mm -hmm. 
But then even then, it was like wandering back and forth. I don't mm-hmm. want to do this. I don't want to do mm-hmm. this. I want to, you know. But it was about six years because that's what I was just trying to figure out. It's a six-year journey, yeah. That when, I, when you heard those words to the point where, okay, I'm kind of here. Right, <laughs> right. All right. So I just. So, yeah. you know, even the pastor, you know, has a journey too. It's not like they oh, just, you, bet. Mm-hmm. you know, are born to lead no. a congregation or to do the Lord's work. It's, it's, it, it's different for everybody and not everybody has the calling, no. you know, Absolutely. at age two or three or what have yeah, you, yeah, you know, yeah. it, it can be a journey. And um, that's why when I encourage people like say, well, now my son, he'll make a good pastor. I said, don't, don't say that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It can't come from people. That has to come from God. Right. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then people will go, well, I could never do your job. And I go, it's not a job. This is a calling. I would have mm-hmm. chucked it a long time ago if this was a job. <laughs> uh-huh. Isn't that the yeah. truth? And yeah. it's true. Yeah. It really is. And so how we, each of us live into that calling is, is that's the fullness of life. That's where he designed us. And, you know, I, I tried everything else, but I had to land here and I'm still trying being a pastor. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I think, you know, but I think there's a lot of truth to that for all of us in our individual lives that our Christianity and who we are and how we choose to live our lives, it is a calling, you know. Absolutely. And it's, it's for us to be any different would be to betray that calling. Right. Um, because I know for me, sometimes I just beat myself up. I'm like, gosh, why can't I just not care or just, you know, be mean or do whatever, you know, so that I don't have to put up with a bunch of nonsense. But then I realize I'm like, I'm just not built that way. Yeah. This is not how you were wired. I am God. wired. Yeah. So it's like it would be me betraying who I am in order to be that way, which I was at that point. Also, when I was a young adult, where I was trying to turn my back on what my true heart was, mm-hmm. because I'm like, oh, that's not cool. People aren't going to like me, mm-hmm. you know? And so I did. I tried really hard to stray, but thank goodness God grabbed a, grabbed a hold of me and got me back where I needed to be. But I think everybody has that battle <clears throat> to some degree. And, and, some people listen earlier in life than others. So, mm-hmm. and and thank God for the people on our journey who who speak those words of encouragement, direction, purpose, challenge, mm-hmm. whatever, and that God uses to. He does. He uses them purposely. Absolutely. And I think of all those people I referred to. Each one yeah. would speak. You know, and mm-hmm. and and I, my favorite was Doctor Pete. You know, just well, here's a verse for you to yep. look at. And okay, go home. You know, <laughs> put your hands to the plow and look uh-huh. back. You're not fit for anything. <laughs> I'm going. Oh my gosh. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> and then Carol from California too. Like she, just you, you being in her life challenged you in a way yes. that she, you she was have there at the right been time. Challenged. Absolutely. Yeah. I just and how God used it. I mean, we just 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 fun, and yeah. we had a lot of. And then when her friends called me. You know, we were unequally yoked. I thought, what are you talking about? Because I thought I was a believer. I thought I was a Christian, you know, whatever. I, I didn't know Jesus, but I just what I call myself. You yeah. Know? And they were right, but I yelled at them, argued, you know, it's like crazy, whatever. <laughs> so Kathy. Kathy was her roommate who really had a hard time with me. <laughs> but you know what? <laughs> but she goodness. was right. It, I know. Right? Uh-huh. Because that challenging is Absolutely. what brought you to where you needed to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. people challenging oh, you. Oh, I left out one little nugget. Yeah. I got sure. When when Carol, it reminded me of Carol when um we had been dating and um when when we came home, I was I'm renting a house with three guys and as we were renting this house, she came home and or she I I she dropped me off and I said, "Hey, come on in. Come on in for a few minutes." And there were three three gentlemen that were sitting and they were sitting in chairs. Two of them were sitting with my roommate, and one was sitting alone. And she, um, she said, "I gotta go," and she took off. And these were little evangelist guys, door to door kind of guys that come by and witness. Oh, okay, yeah. So there was an empty chair for me next to this guy. So I sit down and I met him. And um, and when I started talking to him, uh, we started talking about. Um, 
gosh, what was it? It was um, feelings and emotions. And oh, oh, and he asked me, are you saved? Mm-hmm. And I said, yes, I am saved. And he goes, he goes, if you died tonight, you go to heaven. And I said, yes, I would. I've had a really good day. I mean, I'd go to heaven. He goes, what do you mean? What about tomorrow? And I said, I don't know. I, I might make God mad. You're not saved. I said, yes, I am. No, you're not. And we uh-huh. got into this argument. Uh-huh. And then again, when we prayed at the end, the guys prayed. I thought, well, thanks for coming, even though we kind of disagreed and argued, but thanks for coming. And he goes, the guy goes, yeah, okay. And he didn't list, miss my name in the prayer. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, that's kind of weird. Prayed for Kurt, prayed for Carl. And they didn't mention me. But then all of a sudden he goes, I go, well, thanks for coming. I stuck out my hand to, to shake his hand. And he looked at me and put his hand down. And the other two put their hands down too. And they walked out the room, like just disregarding me at all. Wow. Made me so mad. Of course. It made me so angry. I mean, literally, who? how dare you come into my house? That's the nugget I, I, I left out when I said I went to my art teacher mm-hmm. who offered me a Bible study. Mm-hmm. I got so mad. God used that guy to mm-hmm. get me so irritated that I had to figure out what the heck is he, he talking about? What yeah. does he mean? Yeah. And so I went to Bill, my art teacher, and said, Bill, I want to go to that Bible study. Mm-hmm. I want to go there. I got to sort something out. And so mm-hmm. that's the little nugget that got me into that Bible study. Wow. So all the little and, details. Uh-huh. And it was like, you know, I mean, but yeah, I mean, God, you need to just slap me alongside the head with this guy. Let me just bring some along. Right? I don't recommend that for witnessing. But, right? You know. <laughs> this but is still, how not to witness. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but it worked for me. Right. Yeah. It's what, or it's what I needed. Right. And it was at the right time. And God well. knew that's what I needed. So. Yeah. Anyway, so that got me into that Bible study where I then I surrendered. So anyway, so I left that nugget out. So that was. <laughs> There's probably so many nuggets, Pastor. We're, so, we're going to have to have you back for a part two, probably. <laughs> well, it, it, will you come back and and do a part two? I, I really will. I think um, y- yes. I I I I will do that. I mean, maybe um, we can just talk about. What's been going on? I think there's some very powerful events. things. I think so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I know that you have a particular story I'd like for you to tell. But a lot of, if it can benefit and encourage people to be open and look for God, mm-hmm. yeah, let's, I would do it. Okay, I'll, I'll great. Do, I'll Amen. It, so. It's been Yay. our only agenda since uh, we were called to start God Stories Radio yep. to bring hope and comfort to the world. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming, Pastor. Oh, and thank, thank you for you. the invitation. You're welcome. You know? It's a light to countries. have you. <laughs> How many, Mikey? 114 countries. 114 countries. Oh, wonderful. Oh, no pressure. Wow. Very humbling. Yes. Uh, very, very humbling. And everybody that has absolutely stayed for the whole thing on Mixler. Oh, it was. They shouldn't have left on this one. This one was a great one. Wow. I'll tell you. I enjoyed it. What a crowd. Thanks to everybody that uh, hung out with us tonight. Thank you so much. And if you like to be a guest on God Stories Radio, it's God Stories Radio Tina at gmail.com. Or if you'd just like to write your testimony down, we don't mind reading it. We'll take your testimony any way we can get it because we are God Stories Radio. Mm-hmm. So we love God Stories. What else can they do, Mikey? They can tweet us. They can tweet us on the Twitter and make sure you give us a like and a thumbs up on the old Facebook so we can. Well, it's kind of the way we communicate with everybody at right. one time for the GSR family. And we just appreciate that too. Also, it is tax time, and I have to go get them tomorrow. So www.godstoriesradio.com. There's a little button on the front there, and if God so nudges you to press it and throw a little change in the jar for us, uh, every little bit helps. We appreciate that. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And thank you again, Pastor, for coming. Thanks for everybody hanging out on Mixler. Thank you for the prayers and the support. We just love all of you and really appreciate it. Please continue to pray for us and and that uh, we continue to to bring uh, relevant content and good stories and that we just bless you. God, God keeps lining them up. Amen. It's always going to be relevant content because it's God's you know story in our lives. Amen. Well said, babe. Well, that about wraps it up for session 275. I'm Fritz. I'm Mike. And I'm Tina. God bless. God bless. God bless. God bless.